0: I'm Bree.
1: I'm Joe, and this is Crime Shots. Okay, so this story's pretty crazy. Uh, Have you heard of Charles Albright?
0: I do know
1: that name. He's more famously known as the Eyeball Killer. Oh, yes. yes. Or the Dallas Ripper. Yes. Okay, so... Very familiar. On August, you're very familiar? Mm-hmm. Like, very, very familiar? Yeah. Like, you know the whole story?
0: Mm, I know the Wikipedia story.
1: All right, so on August 10th, 1933, in Amarillo, Texas... Charles Frederick Albright was born, and there's uh, very, I mean, there's there's little to no record at all of his biological parents. But at three weeks old, he was adopted by Fred and Del Albright. Um, Del would later tell Charles that his biological mother was a law student, and apparently she was going places. And at 16, she had secretly married another student and became pregnant her father found out and demanded that she either annul the marriage and give the baby up for adoption or the the family was going to cut her off. So oh. she put the she put Charles in an orphanage yeah. and Fred and Dell Albright uh adopted him. Fred and Dell Albright lived in Oak Cliff, Texas. Mm-hmm. So fun facts about Oak Cliff. It's a small suburb across the Trinity River from the southwest side of downtown Dallas. Right? So, mm-hmm. the Trinity River goes right through Dallas, apparently. I never really paid attention to that.
0: The Trinity River?
1: The Trinity River.
0: I didn't know that.
1: It does. So, it's kind of like the Riverwalk in San Antonio, I guess. That type of scenery.
0: Isn't the Riverwalk in San Antonio man-made, though?
1: Well, sure, but I think... I would imagine a lot of that is too, right? Cause there's oh. going to be walkways along it and little parks and things like that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's in the middle of a city, so they're going to beautify it. It's not just going to be some regular be a- ass rough ass river. Mm-hmm. So, and then Oak cliff is known as, are you ready for this? Okay. The howdy capital of Texas.
0: How are they just going to steal that away from college station?
1: Is that college stations thing?
0: Yeah, like all the Aggies, that's what they say. Howdy.
1: I mean, I think it's Texas literally says on all howdy. their
0: shirts. Well, yes, all of Texas does, but
1: well, apparently Oak Cliff <sighs> says it more.
0: I guess.
1: So Uh-oh. yeah. The dogs are. And it was annexed.
0: We may have to ask <clears throat> Dad. He's gonna know. Well,
1: I mean, he'll know. <laughs> we won't have to ask. He'll let us know. Right. So it was uh, Oak Cliff was annexed by Dallas in 1901. So, um, Fred worked at a grocery store in Dallas and Dell was a school teacher and she was known to be very strict and overprotective. Now, Dell was kind of a strange mother. People said she kept goats in the backyard because according to her, goat's milk is more healthy than cow's milk.
0: I've heard I've and actually he, heard people say that before. Like I've heard oh, that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I don't buy it. I know I can't stand it. Can't stand the stuff. Goat's milk. Go anything goat.
0: I like it when they make it into
1: queso. I don't think I've ever had it, but I, I think I'd just prefer the regular stuff. I don't know if I've had. I mean, I I guarantee I've had it. I just didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't notice anything different. So, I mean, I guess if you can disguise it enough to make it taste like cow's milk, then hell yeah, I guess you win. But other than that, I'm not a fan, yeah, and apparently Charles didn't like goat's milk either, and he would get spanked regularly for not drinking it Ugh. uh she was also known to change his clothes a few times a day to keep him clean, and at one point, she took him to a polio ward and warned him that if he played in the dirt, he could spend the rest of his life there. Oh wow, so seems a little extreme, but uh but yeah, so uh people also said and i don't know you know where do they get this information right because this isn't going to be i mean unless i don't know but people said she tied him to the bed if he didn't take a nap oh dear um but it's also said that uh from the time that he was less than a year old uh she would put him in a dark room or i'm sorry when, she was, when he was less than a year old, she put him in a dark room as punishment for chewing on her tape measure. Chewing. So let's, yeah, let's break this down. You got a baby that's less than a year old mm-hmm. that chews on a tape measure. Chew. I mean, babies chew on things. Yeah. And then she felt that it was okay to blame the baby and then punish him with probably the worst form of punishment for a a child's mental health that I could imagine. Right?
0: Wow. I mean, sounds mean. I
1: mean, okay, if the kid's six, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, and I'm not even going to say put him in a dark room. That's so, <laughs> but I get it. You know, you're going to be mad at him. but less than a year old, they're going to chew on whatever the hell they get their hands on. It's your fault for putting it in front of them.
0: I mean that's I think that's the point though like when kids are little like <laughs> it's it's always the joke you know they droll and they tee them on everything
1: mm-hmm. right I mean it's I I'd, I'd imagine that's probably in like the how to build a serial killer manual right Ugh. I mean put them in a dark room and tie them to a bed if they didn't take a nap it seems seems like chapter one and chapter two right there
0: yeah what's that uh what's that show on Netflix making a murderer Yep. That's how you do it right
1: there. Mm. Anyway, so uh, when he was a small child, she would sometimes put him in a dress and give him dolls to play with. And this was kind of made a big deal, but eh, maybe this was just her way of like fantasizing about having a girl, right? And it's not – if he's young enough, I can't imagine it would have a serious effect on him, right? It's not going to – again, he's not six, right? He's not eight. He's not running around the neighborhood with a dress on.
0: Is it? But it's not something that he requested. She just kind of did it. Well, and
1: I don't think it was something he would have even known was going on either, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, Like if he's... Again, if he's he's less than one, what does he know? You know what I mean? He don't care. He's not going to... It's not going to affect the kid.
0: Yeah.
1: But, you know, it's another... Just kind of shows how she was. A little weird. Yeah. A little on the weird age. A
0: little strange.
1: A little strange. So, uh... They said at a very early age, his mom got him a gun. Nobody says what kind of gun. And I really hate when these stories talk like this because who didn't get a BB gun as a kid, right? Yeah. I mean, there's no zero record of what type of gun we're talking about here. And I mean, it wouldn't shock me if this was a pellet gun or or a BB gun. And then this was made into some big deal because he turned out to be a murderer. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm sure,
0: yeah. Right. That happens a lot probably.
1: So and you know, I don't know about everybody else, but in Texas, I mean, who doesn't get a I mean, even a twenty two at twelve or thirteen, right? Yeah. Who doesn't get a twenty two or a seventeen and go hunt squirrels and rabbits? I mean, that's just that's it's just what we do. And
0: then Thanksgiving day you get taken out to the deer stand and, and there you go. You go hunt deer.
1: Right. So it's not, I mean, it's a thing. that it's just might be unusual in New York City, but in Texas, that's a,
0: a common if occurrence. If you don't do
1: that, you might be a little weird.
0: Well, yeah, just like they say that like a, you know, like in Maine, they can walk out in their front yard and just see lobster just chilling.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we would have to tell all of our friends that we had free lobster in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: Okay, so Dell was seen as odd by people around the family, even though they were nowhere near poor. She would never buy new clothes. Mm-hmm. She got everything from places like Goodwill. She would go to the local butcher shop and pick up bones meant for dogs and use them in soup. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah. At one point, Dell lectured Charles about the way his father acted greedy with sex. And whenever Fred saw her in her underwear, she said he would try to grab her. And she would have none of that.
0: See, it's people like that that give women a bad name. <laughs> Not everybody's like that.
1: Yeah. So she kind of made it her mission in life to, to make sure that Charles would never be that guy. Oh. And I don't know, I don't know where this stemmed from. Maybe a bad experience in her life, but it seems odd. You know,
0: I hear that a lot about like, like with serial killers or murderers or something like their parents are really involved in their sexual life or sexual preference yeah like they're so concerned about what it's going to be like when they're an adult and i could not care less (laughs) like i'm a mom and i do not i do not want to know i don't care how you turn out in that aspect yeah like Like,
1: it's on you at that point. Right,
0: like that's my not my main concern. I would like for you to graduate with honors and go to college. (laughs) Those are my concerns.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So she would even go as far as to chaperone him on every date he went on, and would call the parents to ensure that her son would never do anything quote untoward. I don't know. To me, that would seem what the heck. Sketchy in its own right. If the mom was calling. To let me know that my daughter was in great hands. Like, I don't know. That would probably scare me more than most other things. Oh, that's
0: so weird.
1: Yeah. So anyway, so she would make sure that he worked extra hard at his schoolwork, and she would make him wake up early every morning and practice piano for thirty minutes before the school bus arrived to pick him up. And she would work with him extensive, extensively on, you know, math, reading, writing.
0: Hey, to you the know point what? that now we're talking about mom now we're momming
1: right well she's a and she's a school teacher right oh yeah okay. so that's right down her alley Good. but she worked with him so much that he ended up skipping two grades and he graduated high school at age 15 so nice pretty smart kid apparently mm-hmm. uh he enrolled at NTU North Texas University it is known as a public research university and it's an Early Admission Math and Science Academy for Exceptional Students, is what they say on their Wikipedia page. Mm. So, we got an exceptional student here. Um, at age 11, Dell showed Charles what taxidermy was and bought him a mail-order course on the subject, saying that he was, quote, beginning to learn an art second only to painting and sculpture. Oh, The problem arose kind of at the end when he finished a bird. So he had shot a bird. She helped him skin it. She helped him get everything out. And then she helped him put it all together according to this little mail order course. But then instead of getting the the real looking eyes from the store, you know, since they were kind of expensive and she was so frugal, Mm -hmm. she brought him a jar of buttons. And from that point on, every animal that he ever stuffed had buttons for eyes.
0: Buttons.
1: I mean, hashtag creep show. Right.
0: Okay. Buttons.
1: I don't know what it is about buttons for eyes, but Creeps me out. I don't think anything ever looks cool other than maybe a teddy bear. That's kind of roughly done. I don't know. Buttons for eyes just seems like a creepy thing. Yeah. Just agreed. agreed. Uh, so from what I read about Charles school life, right. Is he was kind of a pain in the ass. Um, he was always playing pranks on people. Apparently, he set his chemistry teacher's dress on fire. What? He was always shooting rubber bands, all the normal, normal like, teenage stuff that you'd expect to hear from a kid that's kind of gone a little bit out of control. Uh... Um, <laughs> well, aside from the dress on fire, right? Okay. I mean, the dress on fire thing seemed a little crazy, but...
0: A little? Okay.
1: You know, it's chemistry. Maybe he was, uh I don't know, maybe they were doing some kind of thing and it... Lit on fire, and he threw it on a teacher's dress. Who knows? I mean... I mean, I can see how it would get out of hand.
0: I appreciate your optimism, I guess. Well. Whatever floats your boat.
1: I mean, again, pain in the ass. This is a pain in the ass. He's a pain in the ass. Okay. I wouldn't say that makes him an arsonist or a murderer.
0: Agreed. Right? Agreed.
1: Anyway, so...
0: I mean, I would definitely question it.
1: I mean, I'd question it, too, but I don't know. This doesn't convict him of anything, I guess, is all I'm kind of getting at. Not yet. So uh, he also flunked a few classes because he was, quote, too bored to study. But in order to make sure his parents didn't find out, he snuck into the principal's office and forged the principal's signature on a report card that had all A's on it and proudly showed that to his parents. Wow. So as Charles would later say in an interview... Quote, it was all minor stuff. I just didn't know what I was doing at the time. If anybody tells the truth, they'd say I never did a mean thing in all my life, and I was just doing mischievous stuff to show off for the older kids.
0: Oh, all right.
1: (laughs) But to his friends, he was known as the most good-natured, eager-to-please boy who could do just about anything. They said he could name all the constellations in the sky, catch snakes without getting bitten, and even perform tap dance routines at the famous Texas Theater. Another friend said, we always wanted to see what he would do next. He was just so much damn fun. <laughs> Apparently, he was a lot of fun and a pain in the ass.
0: Well, let's see what he'll do next.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so by age 13, Charles had already become known as a petty thief and had even been ca- been convicted of aggravated assault. But there is no record of what happened in this, quote, aggravated assault. So I don't know... It seemed weird to kind of throw that out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see it on every report, but it's like, can you explain here? Like, was this was this two kids that got in a fight and one of them happened to press charges? Or was this something more serious? I mean, that would have been nice to know.
0: But he was a minor?
1: Yes, at age 13. Mm. So whatever the case, Dell seemed to kind of look past the possibility that Charles may have been going astray. So at age 14... His parents bought him a small piece of property in the the Oak Cliff neighborhood where they lived, and he put it up for sale and sold it and bought more property and flip and kind of did this back and forth for a little while. And he did so well that apparently the Dallas Times published a story about him, calling him, quote, the world's youngest real estate man amassing a nest egg for college. Oh, yeah. He's coming
0: on up in the world.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's not an idiot. The kid's smart. Yeah. We know that much. Um, At uh, age 15, Charles enrolled in North Texas State College in Denton, Texas. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And at age 17, Charles was apprehended by Dallas PD and charged with theft. Wow. So they claimed that he was a member of a quote student burglary ring and that he had broken into three stores and stolen hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise. The items stolen here included $380 in cash, two Uh handguns, and a rifle worth about $111. But Charles swore he didn't have anything to do with the burglaries, and he was just holding the items for some friends in his dorm room.
0: Oh. You know what? What? I knew somebody like that one time. Did you? Yeah, he worked at uh, uh, Hobby Lobby. And he used to show up with stuff from Hobby Lobby all the time. Mm. Like, oh, they were getting rid of it. They were throwing it out. No, they were not It's like a $50 <laughs> lamp. Yeah. And so, like.
1: More like you were walking it out.
0: Yeah, like his room was, like, full of just, like, random stuff. Like, he didn't have a house or nothing. But his room had, like, it was, like, fully carpeted with lamps and, like, <laughs> all kinds of weird stuff. Anyway, he got fired. Moving on.
1: (laughs) Okay, so moving on. So, of course, his mother believed him that he didn't have anything to do with this. She went to the store owners and she offered to pay for everything that was stolen. And then she begged the judge to let her act as his lawyer. Uh, When he said no, uh, she asked if she could take his place in prison. Oh, wow. So, yeah. I mean. I think we all know how that ended up, and Charles ended up spending a year in prison for that crime, So he's, it, including his 18th birthday. Oh. And that is how Charles Albright became a convicted felon.
0: So he's done some time.
1: He did some time. He did a year in prison for that.
0: Oh, yeah. So he knows all the homies.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so Charles later enrolled at Arkansas State Teachers College and majored in pre-med studies.
0: Pre-med studies?
1: Pre med studies. Like oh. pre medical.
0: Yeah, no, I know what that means. So,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> I was just making sure. <laughs> that's, okay. that's a big deal.
1: I mean, yeah, and he again, we're we're not talking about an idiot. This dude's smart. Yeah,
0: yeah he knows what so he's So
1: before before long he would become one of the most popular students on campus. He learned several languages and he became president of the French club.
0: Ooh.
1: He was the business manager of the yearbook. He was a member of the school choir, and he was a halfback on the football team.
0: Oh, nice. Football's a big deal in Texas.
1: Yeah. He was so good-looking, get this shit, that he was chosen as the art class's model.
0: (gasps) Ooh.
1: That seems kind of crazy, doesn't
0: it? I bet he wasn't that good-looking.
1: I mean, there's pictures out there, and if he's a good-looking dude, I'm winning.
0: Let me see. People, you're winning.
1: <laughs>
0: God, what's his name again?
1: Charles Albright.
0: Charles Albright. Um, do I have younger photos? Maybe. Oh, look at that mustache. Oh yeah, I have I have football photo.
1: Oh, is there? Yeah. Okay, I see it. Yeah, that's that man is that man's crooked.
0: He is
1: is if that's a good looking man again, I'm winning well you know I mean maybe he
0: had, maybe he had a nice physique okay I don't know i i okay, I'm just gonna be honest he I don't find him good- I don't find him attractive but and that's saying something because for some reason, I find a lot of serial killers attractive, Ted Bundy, oh my God, I totally would have been murdered by him,
1: wow. Easy. Well, it's good Easy to know. Easy
0: would have been murdered by him, but this guy, not so much. Well, he
1: was the, he was the art class's model, so maybe, so maybe there was the
0: limited people then.
1: maybe the Arkansas State Teachers College is just a just kind of an ugly college. I mean, no offense to anybody that goes there now, but maybe back in the day, you know, back in the
0: maybe, yeah, maybe it was like a limited amount of people. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: I mean, we're talking about the what is this? The the fifties, the early fifties.
0: Yeah, There's and this, the way, yeah, you know, yeah. b- people styled themselves differently, too, so...
1: Yeah, this is late 40s, it's not as awesome as 50s. the
0: mullets we have today.
1: Yeah, that's that's a thing now. I don't understand oh, it. Oh, I know. I don't know what's going on. Ugh. We're Continue. we in cycles. Okay, so, uh, mm. where was I?
0: He enrolled uh, in pre-med.
1: Okay, so he also seemed to be very... He also seemed to be very fond of human anatomy. Oh, yeah. He got an A in the class, even though he never studied and claimed one day that he would become a surgeon.
2: Hmm.
1: Yeah. So, um, apparently, ever the class clown, he had a friend who, I don't know where this story came from, but the person who wrote it called his friend Andrew, said it wasn't his real name, but that's who we'll use, right? And he said Andrew had a girlfriend with uniquely almond-shaped eyes. When they broke up, Andrew threw the pictures of her away in a trash can. And later, when he started dating a new girl, he asked her for a picture. She gave it to him. Next thing you know, Charles Albright had replaced the eyes in the picture of the new girlfriend with the eyes of the old girlfriend. Yeah. After that... He starts finding eyeballs everywhere, like he had cut every eyeball out of every picture he had thrown away, and Charles was like pasting them to the walls above the urinal and in bathroom stalls I mean it was everybody thought it was hilarious and quote inventive oh but inventive. I mean that could also be considered psychotic
0: could be but yeah. it.
1: At the time, it was it was hilarious. They considered it hilarious.
0: Of course, they did.
1: So, yeah. So moving on, he he gets a girlfriend named Betty Nestor mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: to give him the keys to a building on the college campus, and he used those keys to steal some equipment from the building. There was no there was no record of what he stole, um, but apparently, he stole some equipment out of one of the buildings, and he got caught and kicked out of college Ha! yeah so not to be deterred uh he snuck into the dean's office and forged a diploma (gasps) yeah and i don't i don't even think it was just a diploma i think it was a uh, may have been a phd
0: I mean, I, I guess remember. whatever it takes.
1: Yeah, whatever it was, he forged he forged some pretty good documents and uh, he used that to get a job as a high school teacher right afterwards. So in 1954, at age 20, he married Betty Nestor, the girlfriend from college, and they had a daughter and he would, you know, no big deal, forge checks for extra money and steal things all the time. And two years later, he was actually fired from the high school. I guess everything kind of came to a head. I think they, the high school figured out that he had forged his diploma, and then he was charged with check fraud and petty theft and all this other stupid stuff. So it all kind of – it all came to a head. He got fired from the high school, and then he was put on probation for a year. He went on to steal hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise from a hardware store and was caught and convicted of the theft. He was sentenced to two years in prison, but he only spent six months before being released for good behavior. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Good behavior. (laughs) He he had a hard time keeping a job. Uh, He did everything from—he was a hairstylist, uh, a painter, and I'm not talking about a house painter. I'm talking about like a portrait painter.
0: Oh, he was an artiste.
1: Yes, an artiste. And got it. He had actually gotten a former coworker to hire him to paint his wife's portrait and paid him, I think it was $250. And it took forever. And the guy finally got pissed off and showed up. And he was like, look, you know, you're just stealing my money. Where's the portrait? So Charles showed it to him and said he wasn't done yet. And the only thing he hadn't finished was the eyes. Ooh. So, again...
0: Has a little eye obsession, does he?
1: Something like that. So anyway, he kind of moved on from that. Um, He was a baseball – he worked at a baseball bat manufacturing plant. Uh, He was a carpenter for a while, and he even was a bullfighter for a short time. (laughs) Yeah, kind of an odd one.
0: Of course he was. So in
1: 1975, uh, he and Betty separated – even though they wouldn't get an official divorce until 1987. So it was 12 years later before they got an official divorce.
0: Wow. I can't even imagine.
1: I know, right? That's just, I don't know. It seemed, I mean, he it seemed like he moved on. It just didn't, like it didn't occur to him. I don't know. It's, it's, like it didn't occur to him. I don't know why that would.
0: Take so long?
1: Yeah. So wow. in 1981, uh, Dell died of cancer. And sometime around them, then Charles actually, according to family members that kind of dug into some records, he had actually found and visited his birth mother multiple times in Wichita Falls before she died Wow uh there's no real record as to what she was like or anything in her life. All we know is kind of what Dell told him about her, but he had even Charles had even introduced her to uh Fred Albright his adopted dad and his own daughter. So she met her granddaughter before she died. Wow. So for some reason, even though all of this crazy stuff is going on in Charles life, I mean, he just seems like a, for lack of a better word, a fuck up. Right. Yeah. He's just a, he's just a shithead. He's an all around shithead. Right. But right. even though all that is going on, everyone around him still considered him charming, kind, caring. Oh, you know what I mean? All his friends liked him. He went to church. They would hang out all the time. Uh, to the point that his friends and neighbors trusted him completely. And some would even ask if he'd babysit their children. Oh. Yeah, I don't know about you. But he
0: didn't have kids on his own.
1: He had a daughter, but he was separated from his wife. And who knows how much he really saw his daughter. You know what I mean? See, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, so if you live by yourself and you're an old guy, I'm probably not asking you to babysit my kid. I don't yeah. really care how nice you seem. Just weird. Nothing against you. Yeah. Just
0: it's weird.
1: seems weird.
0: It's, it's It's weird.
1: Yeah. So after gaining the trust of one of the families from that church, Charles was arrested and charged with sexually molesting their nine-year-old daughter.
0: Of course.
1: Yeah, of course. And that's why you don't do weird shit. That's why you don't do that. That's what we're saying. (sighs) Dummies. So, after his arrest, Charles actually just pled guilty to the charge of knowingly and intentionally engaging in deviant sex with a child under the age of 14 and was given probation.
0: Probation.
1: Probation. He would later say that he only pled guilty to, quote, avoid the hassle.
0: Probation.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: This is why I don't get called for, like, jury duty and stuff. Right. Because I disagree.
1: Well, and it sucks so bad on both ends of that type of thing because you're either – you either did it and you're a piece of shit and you need to go away for life and maybe get lit on fire. Or you didn't do it and you are – drug through the mud and your life will never be the same again. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not saying he didn't do this, and I'm not saying he did either.
0: But what what year was this?
1: This was like da, 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 1984.
0: Okay, so that was right about the time that DNA and stuff was starting to get tested. So it is possible that they could have tested his DNA, but if he, I mean, if he admitted to it,
1: doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's, and they even said that the family kind of, uh, the family would have pressed harder, but they didn't want their daughter to be stigmatized, right? Because you know how that goes. I mean, it's just,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: there's so many, so much nuance to that type of issue that caused so many problems. It's really sad. Okay, so... um. In 1984, as a convicted sex offender, Charles Albright would do exactly the thing you would expect a convicted sex offender to do. You want to guess?
0: He registered as a sex offender and moved to a place that is not in close proximity of schools or parks and stayed to himself and got a job and just died peacefully in a trailer house.
1: You are so close. Okay. Actually, it would be the other option, which is apply to be a leader in the Boy Scouts. <laughs> so you were close. Um, so close. Right. But it was, yeah. So he took option B instead of option A. Right. Uh, he was promptly rejected from the oh. Boy Scouts. So that's kind of good to hear.
0: I wonder why.
1: They just haven't had a good track record. So it's good to know they're turning away, you know, at least, at least convicted sex offenders. Yeah. So, uh, in 1985, Charles met a woman named Dixie Austin, and she would later move in with him and proceed to support him financially, even though his father, Fred, had just died. Mm -hmm. And he received a $100,000 inheritance. I guess cash? I don't know. He also inherited, of course, the property that the family house was on, Mm -hmm. which they moved into. Him and mm-hmm. Dixie. And then... Uh, he Dixie just
0: a... sounds like a like a boot scoot in good time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure she was fun.
0: I feel like there's a lot of bears in her future.
1: Yeah, I mean, they... I think they... I don't know. I think they made a cup. You know, there maybe named after her. Maybe that's serious? how cool she was. The, I don't know, did they? A Dixie, Dixie cup? cups
0: were named after her? No. Well, don't assume no, no. that. <laughs> Ugh, they were obviously named after someone.
1: I mean, I guess probably some guy named Jimmy Dixie who started the company in 1967. Is that true? I doubt it. I mean, if it is, I'm getting real lucky never, with these guesses.
0: I'm never going to believe anything you've ever said again. Because <laughs> you'll say stuff like that, like, over yeah. at Bombs, and I'm like... Yeah, do your own research. How does he know that?
1: <laughs> D-Y-O-R. Okay, so... um. So he also inherited a couple, uh, rental properties that were just kind of around the Dallas area. So he was, um, Charles left him in Fred's name, but he was still renting them out to certain people. Can you do that? And I mean, I guess, I don't know why you can't, Hmm. I don't know. I don't really know how that works. And you know, it may have been different back then, but Mm -hmm. I guess now you would kind of have to do it for tax purposes. You'd have to put it in your own name. Right. But back then maybe that wasn't the case.
0: Yeah. You didn't have to pay taxes back then. You could just go up there with a pack of cigarettes and
1: get yeah. it going. Be like, "Hey, buddy. <laughs> Are we cool?"
0: <laughs> "Hey, bud, if you take these pack of cigarettes, I'll keep that land, all right?"
1: <laughs> all right. So, let's get into the victims. All right. All right. So, on December 13th, 1990 so this is we're talking five years after charles and dixie moved into fred albright's home former home right so december 13th 1990 33 year old mary lou pratt was a well-known caucasian prostitute in dallas she was found well known well known to, like to well known on well the known, streets yeah well known on the streets well known to police she was a well known she was she was a prominent prostitute sex worker yeah
0: you can't say prostitute
1: i mean you can i don't no. i don't think it's <laughs> i think a... hooker might be considered
0: no no so on another uh there's another podcast i listen to because <laughs>
1: they don't I count. actually
0: i love podcasts <laughs> No way. <laughs> and yeah, and they got in trouble for saying "prostitute."
1: When you say in trouble, yeah, legal it, trouble. Legal trouble.
0: Mm-hmm. There was a sex worker that sued them because they preferred to be called sex worker.
1: I mean, that but said sex worker did not win this. Yes. Lawsuit.
0: Yes, said sex worker did win the lawsuit. Just like the uh, inmate that sued for being called an inmate or a convict won their lawsuit as well, and they can no longer be referred to as inmates or convicts. They are offenders. What? on. I hate That's this world. That's legally, like all the like correctional officers and stuff, they have to call them offenders.
1: Mm. Okay, anyway. <sighs> okay, so she was found lying face up, nearly nude, wearing only a t-shirt. And she was found on the 8800 block of Beckley View Drive in Oak Cliff some kids in the area were playing around and they thought they had stumbled onto a mannequin.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, and then when they got closer,
1: right, it's never a mannequin. I mean, just when you find a mannequin, just call nine one one. And if it's just a mannequin, then they'll at least clean it off the street. And if it's not a mannequin, you didn't have to get that close and have to be haunted by that visual for the rest of your life. Yeah. Life tips from Joe. Uh, So the body was immediately recognized by one of the officers as, quote, a veteran prostitute who Mm -hmm. frequently worked from the Star Motel in Oak Cliff. So can't sue me. I'm quoting a cop. Anyway, there you go. Uh, According to the officers in Dallas at the time, it was not unusual to hear that a sex worker had been beaten or attacked. In fact, it was almost a nightly occurrence, but murders just rarely ever happened. I mean, I say rarely, meaning they never happened, right? It just was not a thing at the time.
0: So they got beat Um, up. They just didn't get murdered.
1: Yeah, right. Things would happen all the time, violence-wise. It just didn't end in death ever in that area for some reason. Um and they said it was especially true for, for a veteran like Mary Pratt that she lived with her parents, and her parents never even knew about her nightlife and what she did for a living.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But she had a drug problem, and this was how she paid for it. Oh. So um, so John Westphalen, the, or Fallen, Westfallen? John Westfallen, the lead homicide detective on the case received a file and he knew immediately that this was not going to be an easy case to solve because he called it what he, he termed a dumped body case Mm -hmm. where the victim had definitely been murdered, murdered somewhere else and then dumped at the scene. Mm -hmm. And then factor in that there were no witnesses, no murder weapon, no fingerprints, no motive, not to mention any number of possible suspects given her line of work. Right. Right. Um, when West went to view the autopsy, he, he did so kind of just expecting a routine run-of-the-mill autopsy, showing a gunshot wound to the head as the cause of death, and then she had been beaten pretty badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and as the examination went on, the pathologist, Dr. Elizabeth Peacock, eventually opened Pratt's eyelids and freaked out, saying, oh my God, they're gone. Oh. And that's when they find out that... Whoever killed this lady had surgically removed Surgical. her eyes.
0: Ooh, so they have medical training.
1: Yeah. So according to the pathologist, after further examination, whoever removed the eyes had to have some prior experience and knowledge on how to remove eyes because it was done with such precision that you would never even know the eyes were removed unless you opened the eyelids. And normally this type of thing, it, you know, it's kind of... I guess in a normal murder where eyes were removed, you're looking at maybe somebody gouging out the eyes with your thumb or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in that case, obviously it, it wrecks the whole area. I mean, it's it's obvious and there's no there's no getting away from it. But this was like her eyes were closed and they didn't know until she went to to autopsy, which is very unusual. Right. Um. And they said there are six major muscles that hold your eye in place and to get to all of them without damaging the eyelids and surrounding tissue is not easy at all. And they said it was apparent after further investigation that whoever removed her eyes would have taken them as some type of souvenir. Wow. So, and they even kind of went as far to say that this type of procedure isn't even taught in medical school right? Because there's really no reason to remove an eye. Right. I mean, unless, and if you did need to, it's not like you need to do it super clean. I don't know how they look at that, but it's just not something you would even learn if you went to medical school. Like this would have to be something you had the intent to learn on its own. Does that make sense?
0: I disagree with it not needing to be like, I feel like if people need to have their eyeballs removed, then it needs to be done clean. They don't no, need I, to have, like... Right,
1: and I, I was kind of... I guess what I'm getting at is that would be a specialized thing, right?
0: Yeah, doctors probably aren't concerned as much with preserving. No,
1: it's not your run-of-the-mill surgeon yeah. training, right? It's It would be something that would be... If you were going to have your eyeball removed, you're going to have a specialist come in and remove your freaking eye. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... It's not – it just isn't something that you would normally see even in a surgery Mm -hmm. line of work very often, let alone the civilian world.
0: Right.
1: So Westfallen, the uh, investigator, contacted the FBI's VICAP unit or the Violent Crimes Apprehension Program unit. You know what that is? Nope. Uh, okay so it's basically a computerized database that just keeps all data on like the most unusual crimes so if you have somebody that's got a certain mo right this would be a way to find it if it's already been documented in other cases so he was searching vicap to find out if there were any cases where eyeballs were removed in a surgical sense like that and it didn't turn anything of value up
0: but now it's in there
1: well it is now right uh the media didn't make many much mention of uh, of course they said that she was found murdered but there was no mention of any of the gruesome details and i'm guessing that the investigators decided not to publish that part just to keep it in case they needed proof of whoever you know murdered it obviously they're going to leave out certain details and that may have been one of them right but since media didn't really make any mention of it at the time it just went kind of it just went away it it, it went cold there was a small story and it was no big deal nobody really it didn't turn up any tips nothing so for you know for a few months that whole case went cold but a couple days after Mary Lou Pratt's body was found uh a couple beat cops in the area Came across another well-known prostitute, well-known to them, uh, named Veronica Rodriguez, and she was 26 years old. She had been in and out of jail numerous times, and she had a pretty serious gash across her face when they stopped her, and a thin knife cut across her neck. And when the officers pulled up next to her to talk to her, she said, "Quote, don't arrest me. I almost got killed." And she went on to say that the night before she had been picked up by a white man who drove her to an empty field and raped her. She said he then pulled out a knife and tried to kill her. Uh, but she got away and ran to a nearby house, which just so happened to be the home of a man she already knew. And that man happened to know her attacker. Oh. Yeah. So the main issue with this story was that Veronica was constantly telling these kinds of stories. Oh. So she was literally the girl who cried wolf.
2: Yep.
1: Um, they even called them pity stories yeah. and it was which not just hers it was kind of any of them but that was just a that was how they got that was how sex workers in that area got out of trouble you know they would tell some kind of crazy story so they the officers kind of took note of the story but they didn't and they look sh- any further into it. it they off. just kind of yeah they were like ah you know and again we know you know the violence was happening nightly that wasn't so for her to show up beat up was not a shock um but of course the story would have been a little bit more serious if they'd have thought about it or if they'd have if she hadn't been telling that kind of story all the time so anyway it was pretty hard to believe and they just kind of moved on um two days later Veronica, again, was spotted by the same officers sitting in an 18-wheeler cab with a balding, middle-aged man. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the officers went to the driver's side to talk to the man, while the other one went to the passenger side to talk with Veronica. Mm-hmm. So this man's name was Axton Schindler. His friends called him Speedy because of how fast he talked. Mm-hmm. He said he lived at 1035 Eldorado Street. It was an address in Oak Cliff. When officers ran Axton's name through the computer, the only thing that came up were a few unpaid traffic tickets. And so they were about to arrest him just for the traffic tickets because it's easier to do that than try to have to prove everything else. And suddenly Veronica started yelling, Don't arrest him. He's the guy that saved me the other night. Hmm. So this was interesting because the officer said, even though Veronica was known to lie, she was a drug addict, a heavy drug addict, right? Yeah. So she had a hard time keeping her story straight. And for her to tell the same story twice was unusual, right? She would tell those kinds of stories, but that'd be the only time you'd ever hear it because once she got out of the trouble, that story goes away. So for her to tell it again, it almost gave it a little bit more credence. Mm-hmm. Um, So they pulled Axton to the side and they started questioning him and he said he didn't know what the hell she was talking about. Oh, wow. And that he was just a friend giving her a ride to the motel. So the officer decided they were both lying, took him to jail, uh, her for prostitution and him for unpaid tickets. And that's the end of that story there. So that that's how that ended. Uh, so on February 10th, 1991, a few months later, Uh, The body of a nearly nude white female was found and identified as 27-year-old Susan Beth Peterson. Uh, She was considered by most of the prostitutes in that area, and I guess the Johns, too, to be the most beautiful prostitute in that area. Mm -hmm. So her body was found on the same road as Mary's, but further down. So this was outside of the Dallas city limits near DeSoto, Texas. So it was in a different jurisdiction than the first body. So these were totally different investigators that dealt with this case, and they realized fairly quickly after the autopsy, and they found out that her eyes were missing as well, surgically, that they had similar cases. So they kind of got with West Fallen and joined cases, right? Mm -hmm. So the officers knew Susan well, as they kind of knew all the other prostitutes in that area. And they said that if this guy was able to kill Susan, that he could kill any of them because Susan was known to be a very aggressive sex worker. Um, she would threaten other prostitutes if they worked on the same corner as her, and she was really good at what they called quote clipping a trick. You ever heard of that?
0: Uh, I'm gonna say no.
1: <laughs> Apparently, it involves stealing money from their wallets while in the act of having sex with them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, just kind of an interesting factoid. Um they said she wouldn't have gone easily and she was known to carry a razor with her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she had to have been fairly comfortable with the killer, so he must have been a regular customer. Right?
0: Oh, well, okay then.
1: So this wouldn't have been just the first time. She wouldn't have trusted somebody I guess enough to let them catch her off guard. Mm-hmm. Right? unless it was somebody she had dealt with uh, a lot in the past, right? Right. So it's kind of crazy, but at this point, all the white prostitutes in the area start flagging down officers, letting them know kind of every bit of information they knew about any, quote, Johns that may have been suspicious or did something aggressive. And the leads pretty much all were useless. But oddly enough, the African-American prostitutes in that area got bolder because it seemed like this was their chance to kind of make more money yeah. cuz this guy was quote only killing white girls
2: oh
1: right okay. so yeah uh, i thought that was weird that is weird now law enforcement is aware of the fact that they're looking for a repeat offender with a an MO right mm-hmm. a modus operandi <laughs> So two squad cars were specifically assigned to patrol that area in hopes of catching whoever was doing this. But on March 19th, 1991, so just a month later, just over a month later, the body of Shirley Elizabeth Williams, a 41 year old African-American prostitute was found near a school shot in the face and the back of the head. And again, you want to say it?
0: Her, Her eyes were gone
1: yep yeah that but this was an african-american prostitute which is crazy to me that it was like on cue you know what i mean Mm -hmm. almost like he knew yeah almost like he was you know what i mean yeah he he was there he was paying attention to this kind of thing i don't know it's crazy anyway she was found near a school and a waitress found the body propped up against the curb on the side of the road uh, this one was slightly different, though. They said that she had bruises all over her face with a broken nose, as if the killer had punched her in the face. And though her eyes had been removed, it seemed less professional. It seemed like whoever did this one was in a hurry, and she had a big slash across her face. Oh. The cuts weren't nearly as clean, and they found the tip of a X-Acto blade in her eye socket. As if the killer had stabbed a scalpel into her eye at some point.
0: I mean, I I can't. Oh, I can't with it.
1: So there were no fingerprints, no semen found on the scene, but they did find an unwrapped red condom laying near the body.
0: That's that's different.
1: Yeah. So all three victims had been killed with a forty-four caliber pistol, and police were able to identify that all three bodies were killed with the same pistol. So whoever did it did all of it, right?
2: Yeah.
1: Whoever murdered the one would have had to have murdered all three. After the three murders, the area around the star motel kind of became a ghost town for prostitution. Sex workers, both black and white started moving out of Dallas as fast as they could. Yeah. And the few that stayed in that area moved into this property with a, with a guy like, in the neighborhood, who yeah. acted as, like, a guard to keep him safe.
2: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Other stories started to come out from different prostitutes that were fleeing the area about being attacked, and the stories started kind of getting noticed. Yeah. Um, And then at some point during the investigation, Veronica Rodriguez's story came up again, and they decided to look into Axton Schindler, the, the speedy character, right? Mm-hmm. And as they kind of searched the database for Axon Schindler's address that he gave, um, they looked up 1035 El Dorado, and the name that came up was actually Fred Albright. So, Charles' dad. Right, right?
0: because he didn't didn't take it out of his dad's name.
1: And as we know, Fred Albright was dead. So, apparently one of the officers at this point, I guess when he heard the name Albright, he remembered a lady who had called into the police station a couple days earlier and she had refused to give her name, but she said that she knew Mary Pratt and she thought she may have some information that might lead to her killer. She claimed that she had dated a guy for a little while. And I don't know if this, she didn't give her name. She didn't say what she, who she was or what her occupation was. I don't know if this was another prostitute or if she was just a concerned citizen, Right. Okay. But she claimed that she dated a guy for a little while who also dated Mary Pratt, who had a fascination with eyes, and she remembered seeing exacto blades at his home. So I guess she went to his house at some point, and she said he scared her one night, and she had avoided him ever since. He had some kind of weird eye thing. And they asked what his name was, and she said Charles Albright. So... Investigators begin to kind of get excited at this point, realizing that this made sense because according to Veronica's original story, Axton Schindler knew her attacker, right?
0: Right, right.
1: And if her attacker was Charles Albright, Schindler would have been his tenant. And then it came out later, too, that Schindler, (laughs) they say he liked his privacy, but I'm guessing he had unpaid parking tickets and all the rest. So he didn't want to put down his actual address which was over in, it was a street named Cotton Valley in Southern Dallas. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the other addresses that Fred Albright had owned that he was renting. So instead of giving the address that he actually lived at, the Cotton Valley address, he gave the 1035 El Dorado address, which was the address Charles was living at at the time. So it's kind of odd, but...
2: That is odd.
1: So Veronica is in prison when this comes to light. So it wasn't hard to find her and get her into an interview room. But she was having panic attacks. She was so afraid of her attacker Mm -hmm. that she refused to identify him in a lineup. And they had to literally sit there and beg her to finally identify him. When she did, she looked at all six photographs and grabbed Charles Albright's picture, flipped it over, and wrote her name on the back saying he was her attacker. Wow. So at 2.30 a.m., March 22nd, 1991, three days after the last body was discovered, police executed a search warrant on the 1035 El Dorado home. And according to officers, Charles never said a word as he was dragged out of the house and handcuffed. Dixie freaked out, which you would expect from both of them, mm-hmm. at, especially at 2.30 a.m. When they were searching the house, they found a handful of true crime books. Some carpenters, woodworking chisels and blades, some exacto blades, and a hidden compartment filled with pistols and rifles. Oh, and a red condom.
0: Oh, there we go with that again.
1: Yeah, and Dixie was past menopause, so there would have been no need for that in their relationship, if you know what I'm saying I get you. Uh, none of the firearms found were linked to the murders, so there was... I don't know if there was a 44, it didn't say, but if there was a 44 caliber revolver or pistol, it was not the one used in the murders, and they never found any eyeballs in a jar or anything. So after hours of questioning, Charles never budged and said that not only did he have nothing to do with the murders, but he had no idea who these prostitutes were, and he would never have had relationships with them, and the prosecutors kept going with it, like, how did they, right, how did they identify you? And he swears up and down to this day that he's never never slept with a prostitute, never had anything to do with him, has no idea how they would have known who he was. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So when the trial starts, the prosecutors were trying to use Veronica's statements, but she was such a well-known liar that it would have been pointless, right? Mm -hmm. But they introduced what they called damning evidence in the trial and it was hairs that they had found on the bodies in charles's truck on a blanket and in the vacuum cleaner at charles's house and they said they brought in a, an expert he said that those hairs matched the hairs that were on the bodies matched charles albright's mm-hmm. hair mm-hmm. And the hairs in the vacuum cleaner and on the blanket matched the victims. There was not, I mean, I don't, I'm sure we could go on and on and on talking about how that happened, but this was not, like we talked about earlier, this is not DNA. This was a quote-unquote expert looking at the hairs and saying those two hairs look like they match. Apparently, it was damning enough.
0: But, I mean, I think that can be done... I mean – It can
1: be done to this day, can, but – but You is can it... use
0: just like a microscope to do that though.
1: Right, and I think that's probably all they did, Yeah. right? Oh, they kind of look similar. We're going to say they matched. Mm-hmm. But it was damning enough that Albright was convicted of the murder of Shirley Williams. Now get this. Convicted of the murder of Shirley Williams, but not the other two. Why? Right. How? I don't even understand. I, I don't know how a jury could do that. Because,
0: because I guess they found evidence at the one, but not for the other two. Right.
1: Right. But they also established that the same pistol was used for all three murders. So unless you're saying, but is the
0: pistol what put him away or was it the, the,
1: well, I mean, that would have been part of the trial. I'm sure it would have been introduced in the trial and saying that, Hey, here's
0: where they did. Were they able to prove that the pistol belonged to him?
1: No, They, they never found the pistol. But that's but what, what I'm saying. No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is if he murdered one, he had to murder all three, regardless of who the Right, but you have pistol, to be
0: able to convince – you have to be able to convince a jury beyond a reasonable doubt.
1: No, no, no. But, but you're not getting what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if they can prove, which they apparently proved, that the bullets, each bullet in each body matched the same pistol, meaning – Whatever pistol shot those bullets shot all three bullets or how many ever. It was like six or whatever because each one was shot a few times, multiple times. Yeah. Whoever shot the one prostitute had to have shot all three. If you're going to convict him of shooting one. Right. If you're going to – and I'm not saying that they proved it. I'm just saying if you're going to convict him of shooting one of them, you've got to convict him of shooting all three. Otherwise, what are you saying? That he loaned his gun to somebody else and then that guy killed the other two? You know what I mean? Did,
0: I mean, was there a reason why he wasn't convicted of the other two?
1: That they they really didn't say. They yeah. were just saying they were saying that the the hair evidence was really the damning evidence, and some of it was found on the back of Shirley Williams' neck, and I think that was kind of the sealing deal that that sealed the deal so, for everybody.
0: From an outsider looking in, it kind of sounds like the prosecution just went with like went with whatever they could get him on right because it was i agree it was looking kind of iffy.
1: i agree this was not a this was not an open and shut case there was a lot of work to be done to try to prove this but what gets me is how you convince a jury that he's beyond a reasonable doubt he murdered one of them but he didn't murder the other two that's the part that blows my mind i don't care what evidence you found at the third one that you didn't find yeah. at the first one cuz remember too the red condom was found on the Shirley Williams crime scene and then that was found in the in the house as well but I mean, again can
0: probably test those now
1: well the the one that was it, I, they didn't say it was used they just said no. it was unwrapped and then the gotcha. one that was in the house obviously was still wrapped but okay it, it I don't I don't understand it. That doesn't make any sense to me how you can possibly convict him of one but not the other two. To me it's all three or none. But Yeah. Um
0: I mean I get it. I guess it's just one of those things like they're gonna take what they can get. Yeah. Like I said, because it's obvious. Yeah. So that he needs to be behind bars. So So he was
1: sentenced to life in prison for the murder of Shirley Williams. And not death? Nope, life in prison.
0: Yeah, I mean, because in Texas we do that. Mm-hmm.
1: We do that if you have enough, if you have enough proof.
0: So just life.
1: Yep. And after his death, on August twenty second, two thousand twenty. Are you ready for this?
0: August twenty second, two thousand and twenty. Two
1: thousand twenty is when he died.
0: So he died last year. He died
1: last year, and he did not die of wow. COVID. You're welcome. Oh. Um. They did a DNA test after he was died or after. uh, Why did I say that?
0: Why after he died?
1: I don't know. I do not know. But after his death, August 22nd, 2020, a DNA test was done on the hairs that were used to convict Albright. You ready for this? Yes. They were all dog hairs.
0: Shut your damn mouth.
1: I will not shut my damn mouth. They were all dog hairs.
0: So the one thing that they convicted him over was not even.
1: Yep. And they even have Texas Monthly did a big deal on this story and they interviewed him in person and they said they Mm -hmm. could not believe this guy would could possibly have done that. Really? Yep. And then there was a, so there was a group of ladies from the Department of Psychology at Radford University. They did a, they did a study and it was kind of interesting the way they did it because they laid out every detail by date of the, of the entire, from his early life all the way to the murders and then him being convicted. Uh And they did it in a real matter of fact way. It was just like this date, he did this, this date, he did that. And it was pretty interesting kind of reading through the whole thing. And at the end of it, I'm going to read you a direct quote that may kind of sum up this whole story. And of course, this doesn't mean much because it's, I mean, it's just a group of highly trained individuals in this field Mm -hmm. that are doing this research, but it's interesting for sure. And this is, so here's their quote, and it says, after reading the book and reading all the reviews and the news articles, we feel Mr. Albright may have been wrongly convicted of Shirley Williams' murder and that whoever killed her likely killed the other two as well. We cannot guess if he has ever killed others, but lean towards his innocence in these three that qualify him as a serial killer. He does not seem to be a nice man, but may not be a serial killer either.
0: Wow. I'll
1: bet you didn't know that part.
0: I didn't. I I mean, I didn't know any of that. I didn't know that they tested... First of all, I didn't know he died last year. Second of all, I didn't know that they... Tested the hairs and come up dog hair.
1: Right? I mean, that is insane to me that...
0: Makes you question... And why did they wait till he it. died? That, I...
1: Why the hell would you wait till he died? That is insanity. I mean, this... Don't get me wrong. He was kind He was a piece of shit. Or at least it sounds like it.
0: But you can't even go off of... Oh, well... Uh. He... You know, they had not thought about it in all these years. And then when he died, it brought up the case again. No, because like you said, they did a a story about him in Texas Monthly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he was very much relevant.
1: Yep. And why that wouldn't dawn on somebody.
0: To test it. Wow. And what really sucks about the whole thing is it is highly possible that whoever murdered those three ladies. Yep. Was never brought to justice.
1: Yep. And may very well still be alive to this day. Wow. Mm. Yeah, that was a crazy one. I was shocked as I was because I was going through just the, you know, the routine story of a serial killer. And then it was like, wait, what?
0: All right. Well, a word to the wise. Uh, Let's go ahead and test the hairs. Okay. Let's test the hairs. Before moving forward.
1: Ah, it just, and if you're right, being that, what is it, 1986, that DNA happened, or, you know, came on the scene, and I'm sure it wasn't sophisticated enough, really, to, to probably figure that out, but no, between, I'm right. well, I mean, I'm just saying, so that's 34 years DNA had been available. Mm-hmm. And nobody thought to do it. Not even, I mean, if it was me, if this was my case, and I was stone cold innocent on this thing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I found out about DNA, why the hell wasn't he jumping around in his cell going, somebody, get me out of here. Yeah. Like, that's.
0: Because it could have been one of those situations where, like, he's accepted it.
1: Oh, you know, he accepted accept his that, fate. Though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
0: I mean, kind of makes me feel bad about being like, so they didn't sentence him to death? (laughs) (laughs) No. I guess that's why Uh, there's so many people advocating against the death penalty, because of situations like this.
1: Right. I mean, you, do you ever really know? I mean, I'm sure there are those situations, but how many of them are just, they convinced 12 people? I mean I mean we know how many get free. We've seen that plenty oh, of times. Yeah. So, you it's would many. have to think at least that many are getting convicted, if not a lot more. Mm-hmm. Because the ones that get free tend to be the ones that have plenty of money and can afford the badass lawyers. So, there's less That's true. You know what I mean? That's true. Sad day. Mm.
0: But uh on a happier note, we have a TikTok.
1: We do have a TikTok.
0: Let me rephrase. Joe has a TikTok.
1: No, no, we we have a TikTok. It's it's linked to our Instagram, therefore it is our TikTok.
0: Great.
1: <laughs> Yay.
0: <laughs> That's what I was wanting to hear. Yep, so yep, yeah. Yep. So now we have uh we have Facebook, we have Insta. We have TikTok.
1: We have a website. Oh we have, website. We have a website. Merch store. Merch store. Got all kinds of stuff.
0: And we are now on the age of radio dot mm-hmm. org. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're moving on up. Moving on up in the world, Okay, on to the next.
1: Yep, that.